Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. As ever, I'm joined by my co-host Joe, and we are both thrilled to have a special guest with us on today's call. He's the founder of CroatianSports.com, where surprise, surprise, you can follow all things Croatian sports. But more so, he's personally known from this endeavor for his all-access interviews with sporting legends like Davor Suker from his beloved Croatia, Harry Redknapp from Joe and Mine's native England, as well as a whole list of NBA stars over here in the States, where, like myself, today's guest resides on the West Coast in Southern California. We welcome Ante Kvartuc to the United Mates Football Podcast. Ante, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for being our guest, and how are you doing today? Thanks, Kai. Thanks, Joe, for having me. I uh, appreciate it. I'm doing, doing well here in, uh, in, in Los Angeles, and then big props to you. Got, you got that tough Croatian name uh, uh, correct there, so big, you, you're already scoring well with the Croatians. Yeah, I didn't have much faith in myself, actually, to replicate it after okay. I said it properly a minute or two ago, but it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm happy you um you did that, Kai. I don't know if I would have done it so well, but Ante, um, thanks for joining us today. And when um whenever we have a guest on our podcast, we always start the episode with a bit of an icebreaker question. So um, what we've seen, Ante, is in the build up to um the infamous Croatia England semi final back in um 2018, you posted an image basically allowing people to give a, a note to their boss or their teacher on how they could get out of work on the day of the big game. So on that literal note, what would your ideal sick day look like? My ideal sick day, uh, I would take an ideal sick week if I can bump it up that way. And since I'm in LA and I've talked, I've talked about this with my mates and it's our European treble as a supporter. It would be flying into London, seeing a premiership game in London, maybe going to Germany midweek for a Champions League game, probably Dortmund, see the yellow wall, and then probably flying back to Manchester, going to uh, to a United game. You know, from what I from what I know, uh, United are the are the true supporters of Manchester. I'll, I'll let that you know go up to you guys, but I would call it a a, a sick week, and we've talked about it. And it's going to happen. I just haven't done it yet. Oh, sounds like a great thick week. I'm, I'm sure I'd enjoy that too. But um, Kai, if, if you were planning a bit of a Ferris Bueller-inspired day or week, maybe, what would it look like? <laughs> kind of similarly, just, yeah, football-related. There's a park near me that I recently discovered that actually there's a hole in the fence and I didn't need to keep climbing over the fence every time to get in to play football. But it's kind of fun for this nostalgia at this point. But yeah, there's a park that I like to go to and it has full-sized goals and I put my camera up and I just film myself taking shots like an absolute loser and inevitably like one out of a hundred of them go in, but I enjoy it. Um, Joe, what about yourself? Yeah, again, I think it would have to, it would have to involve sports. Maybe, I guess, sort of on the other side of things, I'd maybe come over to the States and watch some NFL games, some NBA games, something like that. But yeah, I think a sick day, sick week, it has to involve some sort of sporting activity or sport watching. Absolutely. Absolutely. You come, you come stateside when everything opens up, we'll, we'll take it to Vegas and you'll, you'll get some bets on those games as well. We'll, we'll take care of you, Joe. Oh, I can't wait. It sounds like a great trip ahead. <laughs> yeah. Vegas. Wow. And now we're really planning quite, yeah, quite a sick day, week, weekend, whatever you're going to call it. But I guess we did all seemingly gravitate towards sports on our sick days and moving on to a few more personal questions for you, Ante, but sticking with sports. So to start with, I wanted to hear your origin story, so to speak, when it comes to your passion for Croatian sports. Because obviously, you've grown up here in America where domestic Croatian sports aren't necessarily televised. And um, in particular, given that football or soccer is seemingly your personal number one sport, and that here in the States, 
especially in the past, you know, soccer hasn't been as big of a deal compared to American football and baseball and basketball. So basically, how did Croatian sports and football become such a big part of your life in the first place, Ante? Well, it's, it's even though, you know, a little bit of my personal background is I'm the only person in my family born in the United States. So my parents and my, and my, you know, all my cousins, all, you know, my, my two brothers, they were born in, in Zadar, Croatia, uh, the home of yours truly, Luka Modric over here. I'm wearing that Tottenham jersey, number 14 from back in the day, right before he went to Real Madrid. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with, in a, in a very tight-knit Croatian community where, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, you know, immigrants from Croatia, you know, they came over because, you know, the war in Yugoslavia and, and all the communism and, you know, they came over in the 60s, 70s, 80s and I'm born here. So, you know, I was, I grew up in a, in a Croatian speaking household. I only hung out with, you know, Croatian kids until I was, you know, four or five, six years old until public school. So, I mean, I'm Croatian cultured, you know, and, 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 and football is ingrained in us and, and, and there's no secret there. I mean, that's, that's our number one sport. Um, but, you know, I go back to Croatia almost every year, go visit family, um, you know, make my, you know, pit stops, like we were talking off camera, you know, going to, uh, going to Emirates for a game. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm as, uh, half and half as you would call. I mean, I'm definitely an, an American boy in LA, but, uh, but we have a huge community here where we just do Croatian weddings and Croatian events and, um, and, and it's a fantastic community, but, um, uh, there's also many, many Croatians in Canada and the U S and in Australia that are second, third generation. They don't speak Croatian as well. They're first, uh, they're English speakers first. And I had this idea where that population is not being catered to, you know, back in 2008, when I created the website and part of the reason I created the website is there is such an uproar after I know this is a soft spot after Croatia beat uh, England at Wembley 3-2 to knock you out of Euro 2008. Since 1998, since as you as you boys know, you know we went to the we got third place at the World Cup in '98. We kind of didn't do anything until we beat England that day. So that was kind of our we, we kind of peaked again. But that's when I started and, and and you know the the fun fact of Croatian. There's four million Croatians in the country, but there's about six million out in the diaspora. So I'm catering to a large sports loving, football loving, tennis loving uh, demographic. And, and that's, that's the background on how I started the website and, and you know, where I'm coming from. It's, I'm not just an American boy that loves Croatian. I'm Croatian uh, through and through, but uh, I would say, you know, I'm as American Croatian as it gets. That sounds like a real nice contingent of Croatians there. And um, you mentioned earlier, Ante, obviously um, Croatian sports, your website covers all, you know, football, tennis, basketball, whatever, you name it. But let's just focus on um, football for a second. And um, how do you manage to follow all the Croatian players playing across all the leagues in Europe? And how does your sort of affection to certain teams change over time, I guess, depending on where these Croatian players are playing? Yeah, great question. You know, FopMob is my friend. It's 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 my favorite app. So, you know, this morning I'm on the West Coast, so I'm just getting alerts from French Ligue and the Premiership and all that. But I got all the channels running. Weekends are big. Champions League, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesday nights uh, are huge. And and I'm watching as much footy uh, as I can. But I have a great team. The, this website is not just me. Uh, I'm the face of it. You know, I have a separate buddy that I've collected that runs our Instagram. I have um, a, a buddy of mine that uh, that's a CMO of a, of a clothing line here in, in San Pedro, California. And he, he does marketing for a living. He takes care of the Twitter. So we have all these different personalities and, and love for soccer. You don't want to just hear what I have to say on the website. And then it's regurgitated the same way on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook. When we kind of get all these guys together 
and you know, I have soccer experts on Twitter. I call them my independent contractors. You know, it, it takes a village. It takes a village. It's, it's nice that you and, and Kai are doing this alone. If it was just you talking to yourself all day long, you know, it gets a little boring, but you know, I've met friends and, and, you know, I have a, a writer that just does the Croatian league in Florida. And we've met once when I was in Miami, he, he came down, drove four hours and we had a drink and we finally met in person, which was really cool after he wrote for me for five years. So I'm building this arsenal, uh, pun intended, of, of Croatian footy around the world, but it, it takes a village. And to answer your question about allegiances, uh, don't have an allegiance to any one club outside of uh, Hajduk Split, which I don't want to talk about that today. But, um, but you know, right now in the pr- Premiership, I'm following, you know, Chelsea because Kovacic played there. Last year, I, I had to follow Liverpool closer because of, you know, everyone's favorite day on Lovren. I have to follow uh, uh, Luton Town in the, in the Championship because Simon Sluga is, is a goalie there. And it's, you know, and, and I have to follow... Birmingham because Halilovic plays there and they're going to get relegated to, to they're going to get relegated probably. So it's, it's Croatian players first. Um, you know, I, I keep, as an average fan, I keep track of the, the cities and the, and the, you know, the arsenals and, and the Chelsea's and the United's of course, but, um, but I have my list of my top 30 Croatians and prospects uh, and it's Croatia first with me. Nice. Croatia first. Although I've, I've got to say, Ante, obviously you're wearing the Modric shirt, which is a Tottenham fan I can appreciate. And I know, um, yeah, lovely shirt. Absolutely love it. And also, um, I know, Ante, back when um, Harry Redknapp was managing Spurs and when we had our great contingent of Croatian players, you presented the the Kropnam Hotspur T-shirt to um, Mr. Redknapp himself. So I know you don't have a, you've mentioned a few teams, but do, do you have a special soft spot for Spurs given our recent Croatian heritage? Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. We, I mean, we made the shirts. It was, it was Krotnam Hotspur and it was a big hit. Uh, we, we just made them uh, for a soccer tournament. There's a, there's a yearly soccer tournament in San Pedro, California, where Croatians from all over North America fly. We play seven aside. Um, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's our Independence Day. Um, so we said, hey, we're going to get a couple local companies. Uh, you know, they'll finance the shirts. We'll put their name on the back. But, you know, I had a graphic brand designer kind of put together that shirt. Big hit. Lo and behold, I get face to face with Harry Redknapp and he goes, oh, God, I can't wait to give this to Luca and the boys. Um, do I have a soft spot for Spurs? Do I have a soft spot for Crottenham? Do I have a, so- a soft spot for Harry Redknapp? Absolutely. Harry Redknapp was one of the kindest, most genuine, I would say, professional figures I've ever spoken to. I waited for him like a like a like a little puppy. I must have been 22, 23 years old. I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Redknapp, can I ask you just a question about your Croatian boys? He stopped everything he was doing. He was already done with all his press. He was walking to the team bus and he goes, for you, mate, I'll do anything. And that's actually when I said, I asked him, do you want to, do you want to hire or do you want to pick up any other Croatian players? He goes, we're looking at a Croatian goalie, Stipe Pletikos at the time, who you did pick up. He didn't really do anything for Tottenham. Um, but FIFA.com ran that article as news breaking. That, that was one of the things that took Croatian sports from a, a little baby basement blog to you know, now you're on the front page of FIFA.com for, you know, a few minutes. Definitely very jealous of all the access that you've had to the likes <laughs> of uh, managers like Redknapp and, and, and other sporting personalities. Sticking on CroatianSports.com, which I discovered was originally founded as um, CroatianSoccerReport.com. And you mentioned earlier that that was kind of came about in the wake of uh, quite a low point for England's national team when you guys beat us at Wembley to stop us from qualifying for yeah. year 2008. So... On the note of memorable matches and sporting events, for better or for worse, 
what are some of the iconic moments from Croatian sports during your childhood that helped to kind of romanticize Croatian sports for you in general and ultimately inspire you to create CroatianSports.com? Yeah, I'm a big sport. I'm a big sports guy across the board. I'm in LA, you know, you have the Lakers here, you have the Dodgers here. Obviously the MLS isn't a, you know, a top 10 league in, in the world. And, and it just, you know, it's not quite there. Um, all the actions in Europe, my favorite sporting event, and I've, I've seen Croatia play here, a few friendly stateside. I was at the Euro 2016 game against Spain where Perisic scored that last second winner against Spain for us to top the group. Um, that's in my top three, but a, a, a story I want to share with you we're going back to Croatia. We're actually going to go back to Hajduk Split, which is their their mid their mid range uh, in the H and L there in Croatia. But they probably have some of the best fans, and they have, as you know, as you should know, they have the oldest firm in Europe. We'll see the 1950. It was established. It was a Europa League second round qualifying match. The summer of 2012. It was August. It was a hot summer day. It was perfect. They were playing Inter Milan. Okay, packed stadium. You couldn't even go to the bathroom. People were in the stairways, in the exits. It was over capacity. Pops couldn't do anything about that. It wasn't going to happen. You stood in your seat. We knew we were going to get blown out. Hajduk lost 3 nothing. The whole stadium starts singing all our songs for half an hour. After the game, no one left. The, the players, Hajduk split after a 3-0 loss, come back out as a team like they won the World Cup, put their hands up, and sing with the fans for another half an hour. I just got chills right now. I've never seen that in my life, it was just, it was like they won the World Cup. They lost three nil and you have 45,000 fans singing in unison. And it was one of the most beautiful sports moments of, of my life. And I think that's where, why you guys love sports and footy. Sometimes it just, it transcends the game. I think Joe and I can speak firsthand, not to the Hijuk fans, but uh, at White Hart Lane, there was a Europa League game between Tottenham and Dinamo Zagreb that we both went to. and. Um, I seem to remember Zagreb fans letting off flares inside the stadium and doing uh, yeah, some very cool chants in unison and it all being quite intimidating, but also impressive at the same time. And on that subject of sports fans, the mission of CroatianSports.com uh, is uniting Croatian fans around the world. You kind of touched on that earlier as well, but how would you quantify the success that you've had in doing just that, uniting these, these fans? And then furthermore, what in and of itself is unique about a Croatian sports fan compared to, let's say, a sports fan from anywhere else? Yeah, uh, to touch on your first point of, of uniting Croatian fans around the world, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, there's more Croatians outside the country of Croatia than there are in. Um, and, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Los Angeles going, oh, I know there's this, there's this community in New York. I know there's this huge 100,000 community in Toronto, Canada, Melbourne, Australia, and Sydney, huge, tons of Croatians. And, you know, you kind of see videos and you start, you know, them partying and doing their, you know, independence. And you're like, they're us, you know, we're all on the same page, but how are we going to connect to those cultures? And I think there's no easier way in life than to connect through sport. Um, I mean, you, both of you can come to, you know, LA of Tottenham or Arsenal here for a friendly and you'll and and you'll just see see some you know a, a, someone with a kid on and you just bang right into right into a conversation with them. So I took it upon myself as as a challenge to myself to kind of can I unify all these communities and and I'm definitely happy with my progress. I mean I had a guy Yuda Dragovic. He runs the Australian Croatian Federation down there, and he was on a business trip in LA. And I caught him basically within between two hours. And he's like, let's just have a coffee and catch up. I like what you're doing. Like he knows my face, 
all of a sudden I go, let me interview. These are great questions because they have the biggest uh, Croatian tournament in the world. They have 5,000 Croatians every day for four days straight. They have 11 fields. There's a big cash prize. It's, it's, I haven't been to Australia yet. It's on my list. I would have gone this year if it wasn't for COVID. But because of that interview, Croatians in Chicago and in, in Frankfurt, Germany, saw that and said, hey, Australia, can we send our club teams down there? And that's exactly what happened. So because of one kind of silly interview that I think 20,000 Croatians around the world saw, Chicago's like, I challenge you, we have the best team. And then Germany heard that and the German team from and Frankfurt said, no, 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 we're coming too. That was the first time two non-Australian teams ever played in that tournament. And that's kind of the beauty of what I'm about is just kind of connecting everyone um, in this digital age. You mentioned the fans in the, the States wanting to go over, the fans in Germany wanting to go over um, and represent yeah, their communities. Touching back to that second part of the question, is, is that pride, that sense of pride and passion, something that is intrinsic within your typical Croatian sports fan, like I was getting at before? Is there anything different or are we all just you know, fans of the game? We're a different breed. And the reason we're a different breed is, as you know, we're a baby country. We just gained our independence in 1991, you know, nationalism or pride or patriotism, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I remember, you know, watching CNN here in the States as a four or five year old kid, you know, with, you know, with my parents crying because they're seeing what's going on in, in Croatia. Um, you know, on a sadder note, you know, my dad's house over there in Croatia was completely destroyed in the war. Uh, the house I, I, I sleep in at my cousin's house in our village, which actually is probably 30 kilometers where Luka Modric grew up. Um, they keep the shrapnel in their house as a reminder of what happened. You know, we all lived through it. We all lived through that pain. We all kind of unified together. So I think it's very symbolic through sport, what we did in 98 at the World Cup. I think we just had something special. All those players, the Shukers, the Bobans, the um, the the, the uh, Slavon villages, as you know, they lived through a war. They had to play through a war, through communist Yugoslavia. And I think once you get to that level, once we kind of get those, that underdog mentality going up, I mean, it, it's almost symbolic what we did at the World Cup. We were down a goal in all three knockout, um, you know, games. And, you know, when Trippier scored that goal, I go, we're okay. We're still okay. And they, and they just rallied. We have a rally mentality. And we as a people have a mentality that we almost do better with our backs against the wall. And, and it just, it just transcended life into sports. And I think that's, what's special about us, but I can meet a Croatian in Bordeaux, France, when I was there at, at, at Euro 2016, or a Croatian at a coffee shop here in LA, and it's just instant, like, where are you from? Oh, I, my cousin's from there, and it's such a small community, even worldwide. You know, it's not like, oh, you're from London. Oh, where are you from London? You know, that's, you know, it's a, it's a larger city. Being Croatian, we're, we know all the same people, you know, two or three people removed, and that's kind of what, what's special about being Croatian. You know, it's certainly feels like it's a very powerful community and football what a better way to kind of get everybody together and actually yeah Croatia have done you know stupendously well and um in the last 20 years um basically throughout their whole history but um it's now time to play one of the games that we um, always play on this podcast so this one is called who are you and essentially um what I'm going to do Ante is I'm going to give you and Kaitel three players and you have to work out who the player is I'm talking about and you you'll work together you can ask as many questions as you want I'll give you one clue and then, and then we'll go so for um the first player my clue is he's played for Dynamo Zagreb and he's played in the Premier League but he's not Croatian interesting Eduardo da Silva 
No, good guess, but not him. Really? I guess he would be Croatian, technically. <laughs> yeah, I, sh I should add, and this is maybe an important point, this guy is definitely... Ah. He, this guy's definitely Croatian in his heritage, but he didn't play for the Croatia national side. Okay. Who, oh, did, did, he, did he play for Crystal Palace? He did not, no. Okay. Are you thinking of Mila Jedinak? Actually, no. I was thinking of someone else who... I was thinking of another Australian player um, who might not have played for Palace. I think I just made it up. Um, okay, is he, is he Australian by any chance? He is Australian, correct. He is Australian. I know it's on the tip of my tongue. It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, is it? It's, uh... Did he play for Celtic? He did play for Celtic. I think you're <laughs> did he play for Leeds United? Yeah, Kaito, you're onto it. You got it. <laughs> Go Mark, on. Mark Viduka. Yeah, Super Mark Viduka, who, of course, um, I suppose it's a bit unfair saying non croat because he's got Croatian heritage, but of course, he represented. That, see, you threw me through a loop. You went with Croatian, <laughs> then you went with non Croatian. Viduka's Croatian. Viduka's Croatian. He's like me. He, he can play for Croatia, he can play for Australia. Like, yeah, yeah. You, yeah that was, that, I, thought, I, I thought you were going to give me a, a, an easy one on that one. I'm like, ah, Eduardo, come on. But that was well done. Well done on that question. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, Viduka played for um, Dynamo Zagreb for a few years, which I didn't actually know. Did very well there before um, his move to Celtic. But now let's go for um, the second player. So I guess like a lot of players of this guy's era, he um, he played his whole professional career. Um, he's Croatian, but he never actually played in the Croatian League. Okay, I have an idea. Did he play in uh, an Eastern European League? Did he play in an Eastern European League? No. Okay. What league were you thinking of? Ukraine. I was going to say like Dario uh, Serna. No, no. Serna played played for Hajduk. Okay. Um, he played for the Croatian national side 41 times. Which league did he begin his career in if it wasn't the Croatian League? He began his career in the Bundesliga. Did he score the game winner at Wembley? No, but I, you're right that Petric is similar. It's not Petric? No, 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 but it's another... It's not Petric? No, it's another, it's another player of <laughs> Petric's generation. So he's played in the Bundesliga. He's... Um, the next clue I'll give you, he's played in two other leagues in Europe. Did he, did he play in Scotland for Rangers? He did not, no. Oh, I thought it, maybe it was Dado Persho. Persho. Oh, gosh, this is stumping me quite a lot. Okay. What position is he? He is a striker. Started in oh, Germany. Oh, oh, wait, I think I've got oh, it. I got it. I, think I've I got, got it. it. It's, Kla you... it's Klasnich. It's Klasnich. Yeah, it is yeah, Klasnich. Klasnich. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah, Ivan Klasnich. Klasnich. There we go. Yeah, no, he um, yeah, played... That's so dumb. I'm, I'm talking to him on Instagram right now because he's coaching our U19 team. I've got one more player for you. He's not Croatian, this player, but my clue is... So, the, obviously, the famous 3-2 Croatia-England game... This player has played with um, a few of the Croatians, but he actually came on as a sub for England in that game. Who is it? Did he play with them at Spurs or at Portsmouth? He played with them at Spurs. Is it Defoe? No, but he did. He, I mean, he technically is the answer. I, he came on as well, but this is another guy. <laughs> I was going to say Defoe. So who else was on that England team that was on Tottenham? It was... Crouch? He scored, but no, he it, not him. He started the game. Crouch started that game. Who came on? Ah, shit. This is like 10 years old. These are great questions. These are great questions. Um, you wouldn't bring Ledley King on as a sub. Aaron Lennon? No, not Aaron Lennon. But you're, you're in the right team, I guess. I guess I'd say maybe he's not that associated with Spurs. 
in a sense. He played for Spurs for a couple of years, but maybe that's not the first club you'd associate him with. David Bentley. Oh, you're so close with the name. Darren Bent. Yeah, there we go. Darren, Darren Bent. Bent. Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, yeah, he, not not the best England career, but he, he did come on that night, apparently, in yeah. the 80th minute. Well, there you go. Who would have thought that Darren Bent's name would pop up in a in a round of who are you kind of related to Croatia, but I know, there, there you I go. Know. <laughs> Some, th- those are good. Those are good Croatian questions. I'm good. I'm going to use the first two on, uh, on my boys. Those are good. Those are good. I love good it. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll repatriate the questions and see if we can stump some of your friends <laughs> moving back to the Croatian national team. And, um, you had already kind of mentioned the situation with um, the war and independence, but essentially since then, over the past two, three decades, the national team has had, you know, a few ups and downs, but there really have been a couple of like monumental ups. The semi-final that they made it to, unfortunately, they couldn't make it to the final, but they finished third in, in 98. Uh, 94, they technically couldn't appear at because of the timing with uh, independence. So it's quite impressive that at their kind of inaugural competition, uh, they would do so well. What did that experience for the team, experience for the country watching back home, what did that do for the spirits of the nation, given that it was so fresh, the independence war, and then they're able to come in third place at a World Cup? What did it do? Everything. I mean, it, it, lifted, it symbolically lifted an entire nation that happened in 98. The war technically ended in 95, um, you know, without getting into that. Um, but... I, th- I think it kind of signifies and, sim- and symbolizes what we were all fighting for for so long that, you know, we want to be independent. We wanted to run by our own rules. We wanted our own, um, our own country and to showcase in front of the world, in front, in, in, in the world's largest tournament where, you know, over, you know, I believe, you know, a billion people watch the World Cup final. I mean, I've never, I, you know, I've never seen my uncle cry before. He's this big, you know, alpha figure. And, you know, he was in tears and I was, you know, 12 years, 12 years old at that time. But I remember my first kind of big Croatian sporting moment was that goal that we scored right in the quarterfinal against Germany, right after they got the red card going, oh, there's some magic happening here. There's some magic. Going back to, to 2018 to make a World Cup run and England had that magic up to the semifinal. We have that magic where you feel momentum is a real thing. And I think coming out of the, 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 the war and all that, I think you kind of feel momentum as a, as a nation, just like you do in sports. And I think that really was the cherry on top of the cake where it's, uh, where it's like, hey, guys, we, we've, we've arrived. We've arrived, and this is kind of our, our, our prize for it. I guess going back to that 2018 World Cup final team, it really has been the, the golden generation for Croatia. And you just look at the players like Modric and Rakitic, Perisic, Mandzukic, Lovren even, Serna, maybe Serna wasn't there, but Olic, Eduardo, loads of players over the last 10 years have been fantastic. What, how much of that pool of players is down to a well-run, or well-strategized Croatian FA? Or is it simply down to a group of fantastic individual players? Where, what, what do you attribute to the recent success of Croatian football? I mean, you have to if you're going through Croatian and, and countryside, you know, thank you, Dinamo Zagreb, who has one of the best, uh, you know, youth academies in Europe. I mean, they're in, um, you know, I wish they had more infrastructure and more cash. There's some funny dealings happening back home that, you know, we'll need another podcast to go through. 
But, you know, without Dinamo Zagreb and their youth academy, if, if you look at it, an all-time Dinamo Zagreb team from the last 15 years and see who's on there, the Manjukic's, the Modric's, Lovren, Mateo Kovacic came from there, Eduardo was there. It's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing what they're doing. And it's if, if they were able to keep their players into their mid-20s, I mean, it's scary. They would be a, a Champions League team, but obviously because of, you know, modern football and modern economics, you have to, to sell them. But, I mean... I have a list of guys right here that are going to come out of Dinamo that we might even have a better generation than we just came out of, which is almost scary if we can put the results together on paper. But I mean, we have, we have a stud U21 team, which probably would win the U21 Euro or 20 or, 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 or world cup. But the thing is we're bringing these players up to the nest, the, the senior side. So I would think, I think it's just, it's almost a family ethic. I was, I was raised just to kind of do the right thing, work hard, um, you know, all these players that were that came outside of Croatia from the diaspora, the, the Petriches and the Rakatiches and the Klasniches, you know, they, they grew up in Switzerland and Germany. But I'm sure they they had this, the parents that had the same work ethic as us kind of uh, immigrant parents coming out. And then in Croatia, they even have to work harder. They you know, I've, I've played on those on those fields out there and they don't have the same you know, infrastructure fields that, you know, they that they have in the England's or Italy's or, you know, United States or any of that. They. We just have to work harder. We just have to work harder. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And then, you know, I, I'm sure you guys know Luka Modric's story. The guy, the guy was basically a, a, a refugee in the war. And, you know, his, his, his grandfather, who he was very close to, passed away in the war. And, you know, if, if, if he's a quiet guy. But if you don't think that fueled him, you know, you couldn't be more wrong. Yeah, I guess looking forward, we kind of look back at the 98 World Cup and then, yeah, touched upon the run to the final in, in 2018. We've got Euro 2020, which will take place in 2021 coming up. Uh, what do you make of the Croatian side's prospects for this tournament? And I guess kind of tournaments um, in the further future as well, given that, as Joe was sort of mentioning, this is kind of the seemingly the end of a, of a golden generation. Are the likes of uh, Vlasic, Kovacic, and Pasalic good enough? And, you know, these youngsters like Lovro Meyer and Luka Ivanusek, um, even you mentioned earlier, uh, Alan Halilovic, you know, he's playing in England now. And I, I know there was another youngster, Ante Korik, who, like Halilovic, once upon a time, was very highly rated. Could players like that still come good on the potential that they showed earlier in their careers? Or if those things don't work out, are you quite concerned that the foreseeable future of the Croatian national team could be quite a bleak one? No, not concerned at all. And, and going to Euro 2021 is which I'm calling it good, good on the rematch with England. That's going to be, that's going to be a, a, a banger. That's going to be a fun one. Um, Modric has signed on. I mean, he's staying. Um, we did lose Rakitic, which is big in leadership. And I mean, Jesus, what a, what a penalty kick uh, taker at the world cup, just ice in his veins. We lost Mandzukic. But Mandzukic just just come back for AC Milan. So can he make a can he pull a Michael Jordan and come back? I don't know. But the thing is, you know, Andre Kramaric, who plays for Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, he 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 was a good supporting player at the World Cup, but we didn't really use him. But this guy is banging in goals left and right in the Bundesliga. He scored again against Bayern Munich today. He scored four goals in one game against Borussia Dortmund back in the summer. Um, Bayern actually wanted to buy him, so we never even we haven't even seen him at his full potential. We obviously lost Rakatic and Mandzukic, but Vlasic is a, is a complete stud. He's the real deal already. Uh, Josip Brekola, who plays for Wolfsburg, he's a winger. He's the real deal. We still have Perisic, who we haven't mentioned. Our team, our Croatian team, has always gone as Perisic goes. 
And that's a rule. If Pedersic is on, Modric is going to do what Modric does. That's no question. He's always going to run that midfield. But if Pedersic is playing those wings and putting in deadly crosses and attacking on the on the left side, we go as he does. But you mentioned a lot of names. There's a name, a Croatian name that I want to put on your radar that you did not mention. Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. He's 18 years old. He could very well. This is this is tough. You can quote me on it. But this is tough. He could be the next Luka Modric. His name is Luka Sucic. Luka Sucic. We've talked to him as well. He's cool, calm, collected. Um, he has that Austrian kind of German mentality. Very businesslike. He's very serious, and he knows what the um, what the ceiling is. So um, I would. Luka Sucic is only 18, so he can't really play for our, our national team yet. It's still too young. But you know, when Modric leaves, can Kovacic? be who, who we all think Kovacic is supposed to be. I mean, we all, all the Croatians think Frank Lampard absolutely ruined him. I mean, we have Vlasic, Breklo, Kovacic. To answer your question about Halilovic, no. We've given up on Halilovic. Don't even mention that name to, to me. He's playing second division English football. We don't care. We have uh, this left back, Domogoj Bradaric, who plays for Lille in, in France. Um, uh, they might be a Champions League team. This guy is a stud. We have Shime Versalko back, who we mentioned Trippier earlier, who's who's been a bad boy lately with his, with his gambling, uh, but he's now he's reclaimed his spot at Atletico Madrid. We're going to make another run at, at Euro 2021 that we're going to make another run. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Mark Ante's words. And it's very interesting to hear about this uh, Luca 2.0 waiting in the wings in, in Austria. Look yeah. at Luca 2.0 red, red, red bull Salzburg. You heard it here first. I hope he comes to Tottenham. We had good history with Lucas in the past. So, yeah, it sounds like a, an exciting player. But I'm obviously, we've been speaking a lot about um, Croatian football side players over the years. Um, so we thought it was now time for the three of us to essentially work together and create the ultimate Croatian football team. So um, for each position, I'm going to provide you guys with a couple of options. Um, and then we'll we'll discuss the two players, and then we'll effectively pick our um, our player of choice. So let's um, let's start with the goalies. I've got two options for you. I've got um, Stipe Pletikosa, the man who Redknapp told you about, came to Spurs for a match, and then um, Daniel Subasic as well. So um, Ante, out of Pletikosa and Subasic, is there a player that stands out for you there? Yeah, it, this this was a, a great homework assignment because we just did an all-time Croatia team three months ago. So this is fresh on my docket. So Croatia's never had a strong goalkeeper. They're pretty much all 1A, 1B, 1C. But guess what? You win two penalty shootouts in a World Cup, you get top spot. Subasic, who's an average goalie at best. Great guy, average goalie at best. He completely fell asleep in the final in the second half with those Mbappe goals. But guess what? Only two goalies in World Cup history have won uh, two penalty kick shootouts in the same tournament. Subasic has won 2018, and then it was the Argentine goalie 1990. Only two guys. Fun fact. Kai, would, would you have chosen Subasic? Yeah, and I, on top of that, can't argue with anything that Ante said, so Subasic is the guy. Nice, cool. So we've got our goalie. That's good. Now I've got a few options for the right-back position. So we've got Dario Serna, bit of a Shakhtar legend. Um, my, um, my, one of my um, favourite Spurs players of recent, well, maybe not favourite, but a, a very classy right back in Vedran Chorluka. And then, of course, Atletico's um, Veselko as well. So, um, yeah, between you guys, who, who, who's standing out for you there? I would personally weigh in with Dario Serna just because he's just like, the guy was the captain of the Croatia national side for forever, even when there were players like Modric and whatnot in the squad. You know, Serna was the captain. Um, so, yeah, he's my pick. Nice. What my about man, you? Kai. Look at you. Someone, 
Kai's doing his homework over here. It, go, it goes to Serena at right back. He was a captain. He could take free kicks. Um, he really could be a right winger. We, we kind of put him as, as right back as well. Um, fun fact about Dario Serna during the 2016 uh, Euro, his father passed away mid-tournament in the group stage, flew back to Croatia for two days, did the funeral, came right back to the team. I mean, that had to be, you know, a tough time for him, but that's Captain Matura right there. That, that's what goes to Serna. God, yeah, that's that's impressive. And it's just another example of that national pride that Croatians have and you know that duty to their country. Okay, so um Serna gets the nod. I, I still love Vedran, but you know, I can't argue with that. So let's go on to um the left backs now. And the two choices here are Daniel Pranic and then Ivan Strinic. Well Strinic Strinic was supposed to be our uh he didn't I mean he didn't make our top four on this one. Um you know he, he was gonna supposed to be our Achilles heel during the 2018 World Cup and you know, all 11 starters, and you know, that was our, our soft spot back there. And he, and he delivered and bunkered down by, back there. Um, we're kind of, we might be going out of uh, position here, but we gave the left back position because we did a three, five, two formation. We're giving it to Mr. Robert Yadani on the 98 team. who oh, okay. was a legend. I mean, Yadani was one of the best defenders in the world at that time, but he kind of flew under the radar because defense late nineties, but we gave that to Yadani. Nice, oh. okay. Yeah, that I would have good. said Pranic just because of the, the hairstyle and the moustache that he usually had. Uh, but um, it sounds like this um, this legend from the 98 team is probably a better pick. <laughs> it was a deep reference. We're going back to season one on that one. It was a deep reference. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, we've got a few, well, quite a few centre-backs to choose from here. There's um, Robert Kovac. We've got Dejan Lovren. We've got Simonich, infamous Simonich with the three yellow cards. Um, we've got Vida, scary, scary Vida. Slavin Bilic himself, and then Igor Tudor as well. Who are, who are the two that are getting in our team? Kai, your turn. He gets a lot of stick, but like surely Lovren has to be one of them because um, of you know he was pretty solid. He was good in the world. He's Cup. not top two. No, He's not top two. <laughs> no. Well, no. okay. well, I'll I'll say I'll go for for Lauren for for one, and it sounds like that will probably get trumped. But for the other one, I have a soft spot for Simunic because I'm currently working on writing an article about a Serbian footballer, um, which is probably a dirty word, Serbia, but on this podcast. But anyway, no, not a, not a dirty <laughs> word, not a dirty word. Um, Marco Pantelic is the player that I'm, I'm working on an article about and apparently there's a lovely quote from Joseph Simunic about Marco Pantelic um, which I was kind of reading an article about so yeah Simunic and uh, Lovren but it sounds like neither of them are going to be um, Ante's picks yeah we went with if we're only going with one center back we actually went with uh, Robert Kovac on this one um, he him with his brother Nico who was captain I mean, they're, they're still on the same coaching crews. You know, they were coaching, you know, Bayern Munich together and Eintracht Frankfurt together. Um, there was a certain chemistry there. It's too, They were leadership 101. I think that's what you want from leaders on your team. And it's too bad they kind of played and featured on a team that wasn't kind of put together. But you put that leadership and maybe that defense because Lovren and Vida, they're great when they're great. But I know you guys know all the Liverpool mishaps that Lovren had and the oh, media God. crush. And it's just like, what are you doing, man? But uh, it would probably be Schumich too. Okay, let's move on to the center. Well, the def- def- we'll have a defensive midfielder. So there's three options. There's there's um, Niko Kovac, of course, brother of Robert. We've got Brozovic of Inter Milan and then also Vukcevic as well. So, um, yeah, who, who's going to be your defensive midfielder out of those three? 
we did not put a CDM in this because we just we're just stacked with with midfielders. But right. I, I'll I'll take that in there. Um, Brozovic hasn't even topped yet, but this guy, you know, he's he's a holding six back there. He is a stud for Inter Milan, um, and I think you have to have that player behind a Modric. A Modric doesn't have to track back and and defensively. Um, but at the end of the day, at the end of his career, I think we're going to give that to, to Brozovic. Nice. Okay. Kai, do you concur? Uh, yeah, I might have been tempted to go for Kovac, but Brozovic, you can't really argue with um, the just number of appearances. He must be one of the first names on the team sheet at Inter Milan, and you wouldn't think that given some of the other talented midfielders that they have. So, yeah, I guess Brozovic were kind of just like flying under the radar. He's probably one of those players who, if you don't watch him every week, you might not appreciate what he does, but I can imagine that if you did watch him every week, you'd want that guy in your team. Yeah. No, yeah, a... and fun fa fun fact about Brozovic, he was one of the first people to put the to lie down in the wall against Messi. Oh. It was on a Champions League game a couple of years ago because Messi started going under the wall and 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 it was an, a Champions League game. And you see Brozovic go under and, and lie on the ground. You're going, what the hell is he doing? And and it worked. I guess maybe how like planking was a thing. Now now we can just call that like Brozoviching. If you just like lie down <laughs> on your <laughs> now for the other centre midfielder spot, I mean, two of these guys in particular are outstanding. The other one's a great player too. But who are we choosing out of Rakitic, Modric, or Kovacic to partner and Brozovic? Uh, well, there's one name we don't even have to think about, which is Modric. Obviously, you you win a Ballon d'Or, and you know you don't have to you don't oh. even have to do anything. Modric in the middle. Uh, Mr. Zvonimir Boban. You didn't mention Zvonimir Boban, who's a legend in Croatia. Legend in Croatia. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about, he had the kick that almost started, symbolically started the war in 91. And still to this day, he'll go, I, I'll die for my country. I'll play for my country. I'll give everything that you had. But I mean, Boban was part of that 98 team. With that, You hear Shuker um, all the time, but without Boban, um, nothing happens. Um, and then outside of Boban, we're putting Mr. Zhuti is his nickname, Prosenecki as a midfielder. Prosenecki is as Eastern European as it gets. He got subbed out of one of the games at the 98 World Cup. What does he do? Gets a pack of Marlboro Red, starts smoking on the on the, on the the sideline on the bench. Most Eastern European thing you could do at a World Cup. <laughs> I was going to say he just started like swigging from a bottle of vodka, but yeah. That's <laughs> right. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Right, okay. We've mentioned a few of these. We'll just finish off this team. So right mid, two options. Ante Rebic, another AC Milan Croatian, or um or actually an Inter Milan player, Ivan Perisic. Who would you choose out of one of those guys? Uh Perisic on the, the wing for me. Yeah, Perisic. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Then at left mid, we've got a few options. We've got Cranshaw, Harry Redknapp's favourite, Nico, um, Babic, and also uh Xhaka who was at um, Juventus and came on as a sub in the um, World Cup final. Yeah, like, no, no, the, we kind of went legendary status and kind of moved, moved guys moved guys around. But, you know, I put I basically put Perisic on the left, Rakitic on the right, and then Modric in the middle. So all those guys you just named, I don't want any of them. <laughs> That's fine. They, don't, they won't make the cut. Sell them. Sell them. <laughs> yeah, we'll trade sell. I would have gone for Babic just for a left footer on the left, but... Let's put uh, wearing his jersey right now as well. Nico Cranchar was always a nice left midfielder. So let's say Cranchar. Nice. Tottenham Nico. Yeah, love good. it. Okay. Finally, <laughs> tons of strikers we've got, and you have to pick two of them. We've maybe, yeah, you guys can pick one each. Um, we've got Mandzukic, Kalinic, Jelovic, Olic, Kramaric, 
Petric, Perso, and then finally the Brazilian Croatian Eduardo. Mandzukic has to be on there. Okay, so Kai, you've gone Mandzukic. Um, Ante, who, who's partnering Mandzukic up front? This this debate lasted weeks for us, and it's still not done. <laughs> it's still not done. You automatically have to put Shuket up there. He won a World Cup golden ball. He scored the most goals at the 98 World Cup. That's automatic. Played for Real Madrid, played for Arsenal. Um, so that's automatic. Now, Mandzukic was always up and down. What he did at the World Cup in 2018, I had an executive decision on this one. We went with Mandzukic. Okay, Mandzukic with Shuket. Um, however, Eduardo never panned out. Thanks. Uh, who was it? Martin Taylor, Martin Birmingham. Taylor. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for that one. Broke broke his leg and and that was it. Um, he was definitely in the running. I mean, I think if, if Eduardo plays in 08, we win Euro. Uh, we beat Germany. We would have probably maybe we beat Turkey in regulation time or whatever, and then we play Germany again in the semis. Who knows? Whatever. We can we can talk about that. I guess basically we just what we can see from this is there's been a lot of damn good Croatian players over the years. Yeah, personally, as an Arsenal fan, that Eduardo one definitely hurt me a lot. There goes my dog making noise. Uh, luckily, he saved it until the end. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise, I would have been tempted to throw someone like Olic in there as well for just the work rate. I love that guy. I mean, Olic is a workhorse. If you need a workhorse out there, you put him all day. But we call it on the website, we call him Ivica Olic goals. Little kind of garbage goals in front of the goal. Just kind of tap-ins. Lovable guy, right place, right time. But you can't put him with Tuka to Mandzukic. I mean, what Mandzukic did at the World Cup was just unbelievable. Yeah, what Mandzukic did do was was unbelievable. For, I think, England fans, they wish they didn't have to believe the reality of what he did because it ultimately meant that we didn't make it to that final. But, oh, well. Just to finish up, we do have a couple yeah. quick questions. And this is bigger picture, kind of like the, the macro Croatian football stuff. Essentially, Croatia's influence in the world of sports obviously reaches beyond its own borders. And for a nation that's so small, relatively speaking, uh, their sporting successes on an international scale have been incredible. I personally can remember uh, Goran Ivanisevic breaking English tennis fans' hearts at Wimbledon all those years ago. And of course, uh, Ivica Zubac is a seven-footer who's making a name for himself in the NBA more recently. And we mentioned it earlier, the mission of CroatianSports.com is uniting Croatian fans around the world. So speaking of Croatians around the world, given that there are so many sports-mad Croatian communities around the world that you've mentioned before. What, if anything, can or should Croatian sporting bodies be doing to retain the most talented athletes of Croatian descent who end up you know, living and playing sports, sports abroad outside of Croatia? Australia and their direct Australian-American, uh, Australian-Croatian community, is they're, they're just uh, ahead, of the, ahead of the wave because they have literal Croatian teams. I think they have a Croatia, Melbourne down there, and a, and a Croatia, Sydney. Um, so they actually have all Croatian teams that, uh, from what I understand, the, they, they went to the, the A-League, but before all these amateur teams were actually part of the, the first division down there, I, I would need some clarification. But they were, you know, that's where you got the, the Vidukas who we mentioned earlier. That, where do you think we got Šimonić from? Um, you know, Šimonić, which kind of sucks for the Australian side, is – you know, he was using, he was in the Australian school. He was going to Australian footy. And at the last second, he goes, nope, playing for my parents' homeland, going to Croatia. Same thing that happened with, with uh, Rakitic. I mean, he grew up, he was on the Swiss, you know, under 19 team, under 21 team. And then he's like, nope, playing for my homeland, playing for my parents' homeland. So same thing happened with the Kovac brothers. You know, they, I don't know if they could have got into the Germany squad. It was a very good Germany squad, but um, 
the Australians are doing well. All the Croatians that are growing up in Germany and Austria and Switzerland, I mean, all that, you know, they have the, the bandwidth there. They have, you know, they have what they need to further their, their football careers. And at the, at the end of the day, 90% of them are going to choose Croatia over, you know, Germany or whatnot. But um, we've been kind of weak here in the States. Um, the only guy that's kind of uh, uh, hit home for us, but he played the U.S. national team, and he's a good friend of mine, and he's an assistant coach with LAFC, is Ante Rajov. I think he's still the fourth or fifth leading scorer in MLS history. Um, it was early 90s. He was at UCLA. He's still the only college player ever to play for uh, the U.S. national team at the same time. Um, but, and this is a different conversation, U.S. And, 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 and footy development here is backwards how it is in, in the rest of the world. Um, you know, as you know, it's kind of pay to play. And, you know, if you, ha you could be a good player, but, you, you know, you would have to fork out thousands of dollars to be put on a good team. But, I mean, the, the national prize there, we have, you know, the HNL is, you know, we had two Champions League qualifying spots this year with Dinamo and, and Hajduk and Lokomotiva. Dinamo is throwing out players left and right. I mean, clubs around Europe are splashing 20 million pounds for these 20-year-old kids. Australia is doing their thing. We have to do, we have to pick up a, a little bit stateside. But I mean, I was walking around Zadar in Croatia the day after the World Cup final. And these are all kids that are from this small country going, hey, I would love to play at the World Cup. I would love to, you know, be on the world stage. And now they know it's possible because they saw Modric do it. They saw Mandzukic do it. They saw Perisic do it at the World Cup. And it's kind of like breaking the four minute mile. It's once, uh, once you know it's possible, it, it changes everything. So I think that's what's kind of changed in, in the last couple of years. We've spoken about the golden generation. They're coming to an end. Given there's a big Croatian community in LA, there's a big one in New York, even Toronto by the sounds of it. Do you think any of these players are going to end up in the MLS? And what will that do for the respective Croatian communities in the States and Canada if the likes of Modric or Mandzukic or Rakitic ended up playing for a team in LA or a team in New York or something like that? It's huge. I mean, the Croatians would show up with their flags and, and their flares. We, we like our fire. We, we like our fireworks. Um, our, our nickname is actually the Vatrani, which... There's no English translation, but it literally means fiery ones or on fire. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's nice when we behave with our flares at, uh, as tournaments. But uh, with the Croatian fans show up with their checkers um, for a headliner like Rakitic, Modric, absolutely. There were rumblings that Modric was talking with, um, with Beckham to come to Miami. But guess what? When you're pulling the strings at Real Madrid and Real Madrid just signs you for another year until you're 36, uh, you're going to do that. But I think he's going to take kind of an Andrea Pirlo kind of approach, play in Europe until he's 36, 37, um, and maybe swan song it um, in the MLS. But, um, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of agents, a lot of coaches right here. They're happy with the, with the way MLS is coming, but I, I feel we need another boost of another Zlatan to come over, another Beckham to come over. It's kind of flatlined a little bit. I don't think the average fan – is going to appreciate Modric. He's not a Zlatan. He's not a Beckham. Uh, but will the Croatians eat that up? One billion percent. Make it happen. Make it happen. Not yet, but make it happen. I want I want Luca to play in Qatar. That's what I want. I want his swan song to be in Qatar. But guess what? If your boy Kovacic at Chelsea doesn't show up, I want Modric to play till he's 45. And I think he can do it. If anyone can do it, yeah, Luka Modric probably can. You mentioned, you know, go until he's 45. I think if... We all looked at him at the beginning of uh, his career, quite a small 
kind of awkward looking player. I don't think any of us would have expected him to have the, the career and the Ballon d'Or that he's uh, gone on to get. That is all that we have time for. Today. Oh, perfect timing. My dog. Give me just one moment. Over. Final, final whistle. Final whistle. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> just before we do let you jump off, Ante, how can our listeners follow? Obviously, it's, you know, croatiansports.com, but what are the other social media handles? And beyond that, do you have any goals or plans for croatiansports.com in 2021? Yeah, world domination, don't we all? It's all world, all world domination. One, one World Cup at a time. Uh, yeah, the, the website's alive and well, CroatianSports.com. That's where my uh, most craziest football pundits go. Uh, we're on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash Croatian Soccer. Um, Twitter.com. Twitter uh, is Croatian Soccer as well. Um, as you know, Twitter's a, a crazy world these days, especially uh, in footy. Uh, but you can follow us there. But uh, yeah, come, come one, come all. Or we get some... We get some good banter with the with the English and the French fans. Uh, it's all it's all pretty good. Everyone's well behaved. But uh, appreciate the plug, and uh, and I look forward to, to your success in 2021. And we should definitely do this again. Yeah, brilliant. Appreciate that, Ante. Looking forward to doing it again. Otherwise, on our end of things, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please do follow us on social media so that you can keep track of new episodes, interviews, match recaps, and articles as they come out. On Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, we're at United Mates FP. And then look out for us and subscribe on YouTube under the United Mates Football Podcast. And that way you can put some faces to these voices. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.